Welcome to Leading with Hope, helping you lead like Jesus envisions. Well, hey, Colin. Hi, Kirk. This uh, cool cat is back, so the mice better not be having any more fun. Oh, no more fun, and we're so happy you're back. Yeah, the yeah, fun sure. levels actually yeah. increase. Oh, yeah, I know sure. That. I heard no. that there might even be like a party or a celebration this afternoon and that's only because you're back oh yeah sure that's because i'm back yeah, yeah right that's right. uh yeah chandra hollands for those of you who don't know she's our children's ministry director and she passed her licensing interview as an official worker with the christian missionary alliance this is a big deal it is a big deal and so we're celebrating this aft but yes colin you need to be careful what you say around a live microphone uh because yeah. i'm always listening buddy. Oh, are you but, yeah. and you did listen to the end now because before <laughs> it was only like the first like five minutes you listened to yeah it was too late sorry buddy oh well that's... anyways hey we're gonna talk about uh the sermon this coming weekend yes it's uh it's a. Uh... Christmas Sermon on the Magi. That's right. Yeah, so we're calling it Wise Men Adore Him. There you go. And, um, you know, traditionally in the church, the wise men aren't usually brought into the story until after Christmas. That's right. During Epiphany. And so we're bringing them in, though, because of how they um, interact with the good news that Christ has come. And so I think that's kind of where we're going to be going. So that's my take on it. But what's the big idea that you have for the sermon? Yeah, for sure. Well, first, I got to say, you always bring the big words into everything that we do. Epiphany. 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 Well, yeah, so it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, you knew all the liturgical big words. Well, a little bit, yes. I, I've, I've stated before, like, I grew up going to an Anglican I know, church. I know, I okay. so, okay. But, you know, you know, Epiphany, it's just the realization of who Christ is after he's come. That's right. So no, I just, I'm just always impressed when you pull out the 25-cent <laughs> words. Because mine are just like penny words. I don't even think they're 25 cent words because they don't have that much value to people when they hear them. They go, I don't know what that means. So that holds no value, right? All right. So people aren't listening to hear how smart you are and how dumb I am. So we better just get to this sermon here. Okay. So what's the big idea? (laughs) The the big idea is uh, that God can be trusted. Hmm. That is the big idea. And I'm going to talk at the beginning a lot about promises and how we've all probably experienced uh, broken promises. We've probably all broken promises. We know the pain that comes in relationship when we break a promise or when someone breaks a promise to us. Yeah. But then there are what I'm calling implicit promises. Okay, that's a good word. Yeah. Like implicit. So explicit promises are when we say, I promise I won't be late for dinner. Okay. When I say it to you, that's an explicit promise. Yeah. When the, an implicit promise are the promises that just exist within our culture hmm. that nobody ever says but we silently believe. Yeah. So for example, you'll grow you'll you'll grow old together. Yes. That's a promise that is implicit in society that if I eat well, if I exercise, if I do the right things, that I'll grow old with the people I love together. Yeah. And, and there is no promise of that, right? And there's no no way of just managing like a promise is always something that you have some control over, but even yeah. saying I'll be I won't be late for dinner well, you don't have control over the lights. You don't have control yeah. over the other drivers. And so, yeah, these implicit yeah. promises. Or an implicit promise is that if I work hard yep. if and, and uh, do whatever the boss says, that I will get ahead in my work or in my life. And that yeah. isn't true. No, it's right? not. Yeah. But that's what our society, what our culture believes, is that there are implicit promises in the world that we believe and we end up getting disappointed in the explicit and the implicit promises in our life. 
So, and when a promise gets broken, and I'll say this in the introduction, when our promise gets broken, um, what happens is, is that we pull back from relationship because a promise when it's broken is a breach of trust. Yes. And when you breach my trust, I pull back from you. Yes. And over the course of our life, enough promises are broken implicitly or explicitly, and we pull back because of all these breaches of promises, and we pull out of the relationship, we become skeptical, we start to say things, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, a little jaded towards... Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And... and it even flows into our relationship with God. Hmm. And what I see in the story of the Magi is this understanding that I think is the at the bedrock or the foundation level of the book of Matthew is saying, you know what, God can be trusted to keep his promises. Hmm. And so that's where we're going this weekend. And so you know what, with your groups this week, if you're doing this sermon and discussing this, you know, or even if you're just going to talk over lunch with your friends, talk about the explicit and implicit promises that you've experienced in life and have had broken or have had fulfilled. Yes. And acknowledge the pain that is there. But I'm saying in this is that when we begin to look at the Christmas story, this should remind us that God can be trusted. And when we build our lives on this foundation that God can be trusted, then we start to realize that actually in other relationships where promises get broken, I can count on God. I may not be able to count on you, Colin. Oh, I, I can. Not. I can count on you. But to at some an, point, but only to an extent. Only to an extent. To at a some point, extent. Yeah, at some point, we're going to let each other down. Yeah. But God will never let me down. Mm-hmm. And that is the foundation of our faith. And when that is the foundation of my relationships, is that God can be trusted. Then you know, you letting me down doesn't destroy me. Yes. It may cause me some pain, but I can pull back and I can see what God has for me, and then I can reach out again. So that's why we're talking about promises and about breaches of trust and everything like that. And, you know, Christmas season, when we're interacting with family who we may hold at arm's length, yeah. and then we come close because it's Christmas time and, you know, the, the season of drawing family near, you know, a good reminder that our, our full trust should be put in the Lord. And yeah. that, you know, even, even if family lets us down this Christmas, got them. So One of my favorite statements is that the issue of my value is settled at the cross. Yes. And that goes right back to this idea that God can be trusted, that the issue of my value is based on God and what he says and what he believes about me and not based on what other people do or do not do for me or think or do not think about me. Yes, which is, it's a hard reality to live out sometimes when people make statements towards us. So what are you most excited about with this sermon um, and talking about the Magi, the wise men, the kings? The wise men, the kings, the Magi. Yeah, Matthew kind of leaves it. He tells us it's Magi. And church tradition has changed it to be wise men. Church, I don't, yeah, and they've changed it to be kings, right? But all of those things that we kind of know about these guys, or actually I can't even say guys. I mean, probably stereotypical based on first century stuff. They were probably guys, Mm -hmm. okay? Not being sexist or anything like that. Just most likely they were guys. But we don't know that. All we know is that they're called magi. And all of our understandings about who they are or what they did or what they look like all come out of actually fourth century church tradition. Yes. Nothing rooted. It's it's like 400 years from now, somebody's trying to describe who you are, Colin. Oh, okay. Hard yeah. thing to do, right? Probably a little hard. They might, but, but at least they may have like some historical documents, some pictures. Yeah. But we didn't even have this of the wise men. And like we've said, magi, 
some I've seen translations where they're called magicians. Yep. And, and that's probably more true. Yeah. They were sorcerers yep. or astrologers. Oh, so God's really pulling in from the Gentiles that are very pagan. Very pagan. Right? So, you know, uh, Britton and I were talking about this uh, uh, earlier this week. And uh, because we were talking about the, the wise men, because oftentimes we equate them to Daniel. Because oh. I've, I've even done that, right? Yep. At the time of Daniel, yeah, the Magi were referred to more as wise men, scholars, people who studied lots of different things. Mm -hmm. But by the time of Christ, the Magi referred more to sorcerers, astronomers, and sometimes to people who studied other things. And sometimes to other things. Yeah. yeah. And so what's, what's really captivate, captivated me about that and the, the Magi in particular is the contrast. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, when you're leading your group and you get a, a passage to study, especially after Christmas as we go into the book of John, uh, look for contrasts. And the authors always put people in there that are very contrasting in their character, nature, actions, and stuff like that. So when we look at the, uh, the story of the Magi, I see Matthew contrasting the Magi with Herod hmm. and also with the religious leaders. Okay? Yeah. So you have... Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about this in my sermon, but this contrast has really fascinated me. You have the Magi who are these uh, pagan astronomers, people who are far from God, both yeah. both physic, uh, physically, geographically, they're far from God. They travel yes. a long way, uh, at least a thousand miles from by, somewhere in Iraq, probably. Yeah, by, by foot and camel. Yeah, like. months of journeying. So they're physically far from God, but then they're spiritually far from God too. Mm. And then you have Herod, who is a self-proclaimed king of the Jews. He was made the, the king by Rome, and then he studied Judaism and practiced some of their ways, the ones that were convenient to him. Yeah, whatever kind of supported him. Yeah. yeah. So he is someone who is faking being a follower of God, but really he is far from God as well. Yep. And then you have the religious leaders, who are always painted as the bad guy whenever we talk about religious leaders, right? Yeah. At the same time, we have to understand that these are religious people who are deeply devoted to God. They've yeah. given their life to serving God, to studying the scripture and all of that. So here we have a contrast, right? Of people on a spectrum of far from God to supposedly near to God. Mm -hmm. And we would expect reading the book of Matthew that the people that are going to respond to the birth of the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, are going to be the people that are close to God. Yes. And yet Matthew leaves out what the what the religious leaders actually did. Yeah, we have no record of Yeah, it's conspicuously absent, which means Matthew's making a statement. So that's another thing too, right? Is when you're doing this contrast or if you're in your personal study or leading your group, look for the contrasts that exist within the text. Mm -hmm. And if something is really missing, it's it's not that the author forgot, it's that actually they're pointing something out by the absence of what is not there. Yes. You know, okay. I think in movies nowadays when we tell stories in movies uh the 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 actors or the directors they make everything abundantly clear yep no holes right it, or we poke at the holes and say why didn't they cover this yes yes not the biblical authors okay. biblical authors often used contrast and left things purposely out so that they draw attention to it because everybody expects the religious leaders to do something yeah. So what would be the the thing to point out that they did nothing? You know, like, don't yeah. have them in there. <laughs> yeah, well, we can even think about our sermon series so far. We had a heavenly response with the angels. We yeah. had 
we had a common response with the shepherds, you know, kind of the lower classes, as Daniel talked about last week. And now we have kind of the the wandering spirituals, those people who are yeah, yeah. You know, all over the place with what they're studying, but coming to this here. And we would expect, we would expect that we would hear how the religiously devout respond. Yeah. 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 So I, I love the contrast in here, and I'll talk about that more during the sermon. But this is a great tool to use in any study that you do personally. When you're reading a text, look for the contrasts that are going on mm. and ask the question, what is God saying through the contrast? Yes, what is what is being left out? And that takes a careful yeah. reading it to, does. to look at the religious leaders and look at them as characters and be like, oh, yeah. what was the response? Herod's exactly. was kind of nefarious, like he wanted to worship to kill, like yeah. he wanted to go yeah. and eliminate the other king as we read deeper into the story. But yeah, the religious leaders are kind of, they're left on the sidelines. Yeah, and I think the way that Matthew writes it, this is what I see anyways, is that he leaves out the religious leaders and basically what he's doing, he tells us what the Magi do, he tells us what Herod does, and he leaves out the religious leaders. And by that omission, he's almost, he's saying it, it's like the religious leaders responded like Herod did. Mm. Because he says, what he does say about them is that Herod was upset and all of Jerusalem with him. Wow. And yeah. so the religious people who do not respond, who do not trust God, who do not believe that he is fulfilling his promises, respond in the same way as someone who is far from God does in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That is very interesting. So if that's what's kind of like excited you, if yep. that's what's really like, is is there something that's not making it in? Anything? Yeah. Like, are you going to tell us how many Magi <laughs> there were? No, because I do not know. Oh. Sorry, man. Fourth century says it's three. Yes. But they didn't write the book of Matthew, and Matthew doesn't tell us. All he uses is a plural word, and so that's all we've got. That's all we got is a plural word of yeah. Magi. That's right. So what's not going to make it in? And... Here is where, so the, the first point that I have in the sermon is that God, that Jesus reveals that God has a plan. Yeah. And I talk about how from the very beginning of Scripture to the very end of Scripture, God is revealing his plan through a number of statements throughout Scripture. And, and I'll talk about that. What I leave out is actually, and I just, I, I graze it just briefly, is that Matthew has a purpose in the way he's writing the book. And if you're reading the book of Matthew, you will see this, is that Matthew wants uh, us to understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, but specifically, he wants us to see that Jesus is the greater Moses. Mm. One of the promises that was given in Deuteronomy was that there would be a prophet who would come, who would be like Moses, but greater than Moses. Oh, and okay, so there's yeah. this contrast, again, contrast. This yeah. is the word we're using this week. There's this contrast that Matthew is subtly weaving into it. He doesn't point it right out and say, Jesus is the greater Moses. But if you read it carefully and look for the references that he has towards the Old Testament, some of the sim symbology or, or the, the figurativeness of the writing, you see that he's making references back to Exodus, back to Moses, back to the law, everything like that. And he's saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise of a greater Moses. And, and even the birth. So this passage, one of the things that doesn't make it in, um, is that in, uh, in Moses' day in Egypt, the, there's a tradition, a Jewish tradition, so not biblical. Mm -hmm. It's outside of the Hebrew Bible, but it is a tradition that says that there were astrologers 
who at the time when Moses was born noticed a sign in the skies and they told Pharaoh and that this was a sign that there was a king of the Jews who was being born in Egypt. Yeah. And so Pharaoh responds by killing all the all the boy, boy children. So that's yeah. and then enter the book of Exodus. That's what we read at the beginning, right? Yep. What motive, motivated Pharaoh to kill all the babies? This is so the tradition is that there was something in the sky. Now mm. go back to Matthew two. What's in the sky? A star, star announcing yeah. a king who is a greater Moses. And I love that. That doesn't make it in. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of similarities in the story. Just even that Herod's response is similar then to yeah. to Pharaoh. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, while Moses went off into the wilderness, Jesus then he actually you know Joseph and Mary they flee down to Egypt, right? That's right. Yeah. And so. Yeah, there's that wandering off into the wilderness, even at a young, younger age, and kind of finding himself and making his way back. So, yeah, wow. Yeah. So now, the question you always ask me at this point is, uh, what do you want us to do? Exactly. I'm kind of flabbergasted <laughs> uh, right now. But yeah, what do you want us to do with this? I, I, yeah. I, I get the crux is probably that we need to, to like really lean into trusting God. But how would you put it? We're gonna. I'm gonna ask at one point in the sermon. Who do you most identify with? Do you most identify with the Magi, with Herod, or with the religious leaders? And of course, we're all going to say Magi. Magi. Right? But do we really? Do the actions of what we do, do the thoughts that we have actually match up with the response of the Magi? Or are we more like the religious leaders? Or are we more like Herod? Herod knew God had a plan. Yep. Was not interested in it. Actually wanted his plan instead of God's plan. Yeah, so he was actively opposed. That's right. The religious leaders knew God had a plan. They were interested in it, but at the same time, they weren't willing to do what it took kind in of, order to engage in God's plan. Yeah, kind of passively indifferent. Exactly. And then there is the Magi who go out of their way in order to engage in God's mm -hmm. plan. But not only that, when they hear from God that he... Um, when they hear from God that Herod is going to do something nefarious, yeah, right, they decide to go a different route home at great risk of their life. Yeah. Because this is a treasonous thing. The king gave you a command. How yeah. should you respond? Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Right? Yep. How did the Magi do? No, we're going a different way home. And this the the close the quickest route home would have been through Jerusalem. So for them to go another way home. They're going to spend a lot of time in the country that is ruled by that king. Yeah. And if Herod, who was paranoid, was so paranoid that he wanted to kill Jesus as a baby, imagine what he wanted to do to some guys who were committing treason who were not obeying to him. Yeah. And so that's, so the question is, who do you most identify with? Hmm. The Magi, who go to great lengths to worship God, who follow God even at great risk to their life? Yeah. Do you identify with Herod? who was not interested and didn't want any part of it? Or do you identify with the religious who are passively disinterested? That's a great way to, to state yeah. that. And so I want people to think about that. But then the big point of the story is not to make us feel bad. No, definitely not. But to be inspired to trust God more. Yeah. And so what I'd like our groups to do, or if you're doing this around the lunch table or whatever, is to begin to talk about the times when... God fulfilled his plan or his promise in your life. Mm -hmm. As part of this sermon, there's going to be a story told by someone about how God fulfilled his promise to them 
yeah. over a good length of time. And we hear these testimonies, we read this Christmas story, why? To inspire us to trust God more. Yeah. And so yeah. what I'd like everyone to do is to share the stories how God has been faithful in their life. Because when we realize that God has a plan and God, can, God is faithful, then we will start to believe that God can be trusted. And that's when that foundation begins to get built in our life that then affects every other relationship because I realize I'm standing in a relationship with God and I can trust him. And other relationships may go through tough times, but I can trust him and he will help me in these situations. Amen. So that's great. That's the sermon for this week. That's so wonderful. Hey, I've had fun talking with you today. I'm so glad you're back. All right. Merry Christmas. Let's go have some fun together. That sounds great. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Well, hey, it's Pastor Kirk here, and uh, I want to thank you for listening to the Leading with Hope podcast this uh, fall. It's been fun meeting with Colin each week and talking about the sermon series. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. This is going to be our last one until the new year, so we're going to take a break over the Christmas holidays. Uh, Colin won't be doing a discussion questions for our groups until starting January 5th, so there'll be one for this Magi series, Magi sermon that we're doing this weekend, but then we'll be taking a break, and we'll start back up on January the 5th. Uh, in the meantime, would love to hear your feedback on what you've been thinking or how you've uh, received this podcast. would love to hear any any comments about how we can improve or you know things that you'd like us to talk about as we do this we want this to be a resource for you as a leader of living hope so let us know what we can do i want to tell you also about what's coming after christmas after christmas we're starting a series called finding your way back to god and that'll kick off on january 5th and this is going to be a five-week study of the prodigal the story of the lost son uh, we're going to talk about uh, five awakenings that if we will pay attention to, will lead us back into relationship with God. This is based on a book by a man named David Ferguson, and he wrote a book called Finding Your Way Back to God. And this sermon series that we're doing, we're using his concept of using the prodigal for it. We're using uh, some of his ideas, but it's very loosely based on his book. So he can't, uh, you know, we're not going to give him credit for all the mistakes that we made or all the problems that we have with it. No, uh, it's loosely based on that. But if you want to read it, it's a great book and I highly recommend him. He's a pastor down in Chicago, someone who I think very highly of and respect greatly. So that's going to be starting January 5th, going for five weeks. And then after that, in February, we're going to start a look at the book of John, specifically the miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of John. You know, Jesus said something interesting in John 14, verse 12. He said that his people, people who believe in him, people who follow him, will do greater things than these. And what he's talking about are all of the actions that he did during his life. That Jesus expects us to do the things that he did. And you know, when I look at my life, I'm not sure if the things that I do in my life are greater than the things that Jesus did. And I don't know, maybe you feel the same way or not. What we're going to do in this series leading right up to Easter is we're going to look at the actions and the behaviors of Jesus and what it means to do greater things than these and how this actually happens. So I hope you'll join us for that. And there'll be discussion guides again for uh, finding your way back to God. There'll be discussion guides for the greater series that we're doing. And I'm really looking forward to what God is going to do in the new year. And I hope you'll be a part of it. I hope you'll keep listening to this podcast. Thanks again for listening. And uh, please do send me any feedback that you have. Just email Kirk, K-I-R-K, at mylivinghope.ca. Thanks, and we'll talk to you again in the new year. Mm -hmm.